All right, everybody, welcome back to Hope Nevada. We are so glad to join you again this week. I uh, hope that the uh, last couple of episodes have been really encouraging for you. And uh, we're here again, to, uh, again today to talk to uh, a guest that we have with us about places that we see hope in the valley right now. And uh, as we've talked about in previous episodes, uh, you kind of get what you look for. And so if we look for challenges in our community, we certainly find them. Um, but I think the stories of hope and, and the light that that shines is much more powerful than those challenges. And so uh, we're really excited to talk to another person today who's really bringing hope um, specifically in Sparks and Reno here. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to Whitney and Whitney will kind of uh, introduce our guest for us and then we'll get into the conversation together. We are here today with Linda Schmidt, who is a representative of Hosanna Home. Hosanna Home's vision is to help women find God's plan, and they do that through providing care in a Christian home for women in transition. So then I'm going to turn it over to you and ask if you would share a little bit about yourself and what you do. Well, I'm the executive director from Hosanna Home and actually was the founder and started Hosanna Home uh, back in 2006. Uh, when I began, I thought that if we could just help homeless women, there were no shelters at that time, uh, if we could just help them get off the street, find a job, um, get some money, they could be not homeless. And over the past years, what I've discovered is that there's just been a lot of um, damage that's been done to them in their early years and their struggle with just even functioning. We began uh, teaching God's word and helping them to um, find solutions God's way instead of the way the world explains things. And uh, we've had several successes. Oh, that's wonderful. And can I ask, you mentioned it was 2006 yes. that you started Hosea at Home. What led you to that? God is the only thing I can tell you because it was not on my radar screen. Um, I was the working as the city clerk at the city of Sparks. And um, there was some gentlemen there that uh, were trying to get a um, youth uh, program started for kids that were on the street. And um, it was at Center Street Mission. They were calling it Faith House Ministries. Otto Kelly was involved in it. He was the director at that time. And they were struggling financially, but they needed somebody to come and take minutes. As a city clerk, I took minutes. That's what I did for a living. And uh, so I went and the next thing I knew, I was helping do resumes. And then they got into some, some issues where they financially needed to close. But I couldn't see them close the, the women's shelter. It was, the, at that time, the only women's shelter in town. Mm. And uh, so I put in an application for the property, and they gave me a house and a car. And um, we kind of went off running. The house was actually d dilapidated, and we had to remodel the house. So we didn't really start taking residence until 2008. But I had no background. I knew nothing <laughs> about doing this. But God is faithful, and he did a lot of... Um, training and he told me at one point in time not to be afraid he had my back mm. I said you have my back where is that in scripture and in Psalms it says he's our rear guard mm. so he he really does have our back well he calls us into something oh that's wonderful is that the same home you're in today no still? actually um Midtown got pretty dark and we had people who were doing drugs in our alley and the girls couldn't go outside without getting propositioned on the porch so I just asked the Lord if um, we could move. And I said, well, you know, we'll put the house up for sale. If you want us to sell it, uh, send somebody really fast. If you don't want us to sell it, then don't send anybody. And in three days, we had a full price offer. Oh, so wow. we're now in Sparks. Now in Sparks. Cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, Linda, you mentioned that you guys are primarily a population of women who are in transition, which has kind of led them to some instability and things like that. Mm -hmm. So what are some circumstances that lead to those type of transitions that you guys have found? Well, anytime someone has an ending in their life... There's a transitional period, whether it's graduating from high school 
college, a new marriage, there's an ending to your old way and you have to get to that new way. And in psychology, they call it transition zone. I call it the twilight zone. Um, it's very scary. Nothing's the same as you're used to. And lots of things can lead us there. Um, relationships can end. There can be some kind of a um, uh, domestic violence that happens. It can be um, an addiction that creates problems for them. They could be coming out of jail. There's me mental health issues. There's many, many reasons why women end up on the street. And... Um, basically even trying to kill themselves because they've lost all hope. And uh, I, I go to Northern Nevada adult mental health often and talk with women there. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that one of the social workers told me is um, the, the thing that you offer with Hosanna Home is hope for people sure. who have lost their hope. And so we really don't have, I don't have any answers. I can't fix anybody. I have learned that over mm -hmm. the past years. Um, we try to show them a better way. And I have a, a house manager who was an addict for until she was 54 years old. And she said, they're not done till they're done. And so people have to get to the end of their rope to really start moving forward because they have to look up. And a lot of times uh, women come and they're not ready, but we still tell them about Jesus. We still give them the gospel. Many of them get baptized, find Christ, and then leave and go back to the the junk they were doing before and then many years later we'll come back but we have a, many many that have found their way and are doing well well i think that's such an important point you make and you know i have a background working clinical mental health as well uh in addiction recovery and people change when they want to change mm -hmm. they won't change before um and so but that's not a reason to reach people in the midst of that right, right? like i think the average addict goes to a rehab facility seven times before they find get clean. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot, but there's hope even in the failure mm -hmm. often. And so it's encouraging to hear that you guys are really finding that as well. And I think something you said is so important, the recognition that we can't fix anybody. Mm -hmm. We can't yeah. even fix ourselves. No. Right. And right. so, but we can invest in others. We can love others. We can speak hope to others. Um, and, and you guys are certainly doing that. So it, it kind of in that same vein, is there a particular maybe success story that you could share with us? Well, I have several, but I will tell you about Lydia. Sure. Lydia is, uh, uh, was a prostitute and um, drug addict, heroin drug addict. She'd lost control, um, complete control of her children. She was really, really struggling in her life. And she had been to step two several times. Mm -hmm. She had been to um, the uh, detox center downtown and someone had told her about us. She, she had made the statement, I need more than just detox. I sure. need more than just rehab. I need something more. Mm -hmm. And uh, the gentleman who was the social worker there suggested that she talk to me. We took her that night, that day, and she came in. Um, she said she wasn't even able to get a job at McDonald's when she was in the middle of her addiction. Yeah. Um, the first job she got was at McDonald's. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, she was able to get her children back, her oldest children, but the state had taken away her parental rights on her eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. And I told her to keep praying. Just keep praying, Lydia. I said, God can do anything, absolutely anything. And uh, about a year later, um, her public defender had gone to the Supreme Court with her case. And um, the Supreme Court said, well, Washoe County had to start all over again. 
Well, instead of starting all over again, they gave her back her son. Oh, well. And mm-hmm. so she has her little boy. And he actually um, is 14 now and doing very, very well. Um, she actually is now working at Hosanna Home as a house manager oh, well. on a one day a week. So quite a wonderful story. And she's turned her life completely around. And she would tell you it's all because of Jesus. Yeah. And if anybody really wants to hear her story, it's out on our website. They can go look at Lydia's story. Nice. Yeah, nice. that is awesome. Well, I love that what you said, Linda, going back, and Jason touched on it too, about you've learned that we can't change people. Like I, I can't change for anybody else. But I love, I think sometimes we use that as an excuse to not come alongside people who are wanting to change and come alongside people who are wondering if there is hope. And so I so appreciate that you've done that and you've made a way to do that. And I was curious as, as you were sharing that, and you brought up the the social worker that had kind of put you in touch. How do most of the women in transition come to you? How, how do women find Hosanna Home or what does that look like for someone to, to end up there? I hear that question often and I, I don't know the answer to it other than um, God brings them. It's it's quite interesting because um, we are on the web. We are on 211. So a lot of people call me from Nevada 211, but they don't always come to us from that. Um, when I tell them they need to fill out an application and have an interview, they're deterred. deterred. Um, how they get to us is word of mouth through the community. A lot of churches know about us and so forth. Um, the one thing that I will say is that for most of the people who come, most of the women who come to us have had some kind of background in their childhood where they had made a connection with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because they know we're Christian. Mm-hmm. And if they have no interest in Christianity, they probably won't come to us. So they have to have some kind of a, a drawing or a, a, a feeling inside that says this might be a safe place. Um, I think that God told me a long time ago not to worry about our census because a lot of times we have only seven beds. We're not huge. And a lot of times we may only have three or four ladies in the house. And God told me a long time ago not to worry about that. Mm -hmm. Just take care of the ones I bring you. And so that's what we try to do is to make sure that they um, understand when they come in that there's discipline here, that there there are rules, there's going to be consequences if you break the rules, um, that we love you, but you know, to change your life, you have to change something. Mm-hmm. And that means you have to get where you're comfortable in living your life a different way. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the hardest part for them is the fear. And I love that song, Fear is a Liar. And I play that a lot for people because um, unknown is the scariest thing. And so they have to just kind of give it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, mostly it's word of mouth, I would say. It's a great word to use when you talk about fear, you know, um, fear like any word we kind of associate with whatever our experience is a little bit, right? We all have different definitions for those things. Right. Um, but I think one of the, the, the best definitions I think I've ever heard of fear is that it's just misdirected faith, mm-hmm. right? Because fear doesn't have certainty to it. It has assumption and it has, um, and sometimes people, what hope is, hope is, is really that kind of antidote to fear, right? It's, it's redirecting your fear towards something better. Um, or more true. And, and so I think that's such a powerful statement that if people can just get beyond fear and they can see that hope and fear are really just kind of two sides of the same coin, Mm -hmm. it's how you deal with uncertainty. It's how you deal with the unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, you know, I, I, sometimes, especially for me in my role as a pastor, I have conversations with people who are maybe not following Jesus and, and, you know, I've heard people say things like, well, I'm not a person of faith. 
And I always try to push back on that because I'm like, we're all people of faith because none of us have all the information. Like we, if we did, Google would not exist, right? We wouldn't need it. Um, But so the question is not, are we people of faith? The question is, what is our faith directed at? Mm -hmm. Right. And is that thing that it's directed at capable of bearing the weight of my life? Um, And I think especially when you're dealing with people uh, like the population that you guys serve, um, the weight of life has been so great um, in some disastrous ways, some cataclysmic ways almost, right? That it has really destroyed the things they had put hope in up until that point, Mm -hmm. right? And that's when fear comes in is when we put our hope in things that aren't able to bear the weight of it and they, they crumble, then fear is what's left, right? And I think it's so powerful then when we recognize um, and certainly Jesus is kind of the foundation, you know, and, and certainly on our podcast, not necessarily everybody who comes in as part of a faith organization, but you guys are. And so I think there's a distinction in that, in that the beauty of Jesus is he's the one thing able to bear the weight of our lives. Yes. He's the hope that will not crumble, right? We can find hope in other places and that's, but if we don't have that foundational hope, the other hope is just kind of a we're waiting for it to crumble. Mm-hmm. It might not have yet, but it'll get there, right? And so um, it, it's 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 encouraging to hear that you guys, you know, the hope you're spreading is the ultimate hope, yeah. right? Um, which has the power to change everything um, and um, and to dissolve the fear, to overcome the fear. And so um, so that's a really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say it like that, I don't think I've ever thought about it in this way, but we talked on the introductory episode to this podcast about what hope is. And we use that word a lot and kind of taking it down off the shelf and okay, what is this? And we looked up the definition that hope is the feeling or the belief that what you want can happen, that what you want can be had. And that is the opposite of fear. Fear is that what I want, want can't happen or it, it, will end up disastrous. And really what you're doing is spreading that hope of when you can look into the eyes of, of someone and say, no, I, I believe that what you want can happen. I believe it doesn't have to be this way for you. Mm-hmm. And that, that love cast out that fear. Right. And so Linda, I would love to hear from you. Are there any misconceptions that you would want to address with the population you serve, with the women that you serve? Maybe misconceptions you've heard in the community, maybe misconceptions you had yourself whenever you got into this whole thing. Well, I had a belief system when we started that if you just got somebody a job and, and they had money, they could get their own place and that would fix everything. And what I've discovered is that that is not true. Um, the damages that come from childhood and we have so much sin in our world and little ones are hurt so often. Um, if money could fix it, it would be fixed, mm-hmm. <laughs> but money can't fix it because it's damage that's inside of their belief systems. And so helping them to know that maybe something that they thought was real is not real. It's not reality. Um, in, in the gospel, in the world um, of Jesus, he changed everybody's thinking processes. And I think helping them to see a different way of looking at the world. Um, so many times we'll have ladies that have never even been outside of the Reno area They don't know anything about the world. Um, They just know drugs, alcohol, pain, um, somebody hitting them. And that's all they know. And there's so much more out there in the world to understand. Um, 
it's it's helping them to have a different perspective, I think, is the key to it and letting them see that um, what they've always known isn't necessarily all there is. But when that's all you've ever seen, that's all you can see. We only know what we know. That's right. Right. It's really true. And, uh, and I think, you know, that's such a powerful thing, introducing people to other possibilities. Hmm. Right. Um, and uh, and we, we never learn more than what we know on our own. Right. So we need other people in our lives to expose us to those things. And, um, and, and that's a really, you know, when you said you guys deal with so many people who've never been outside this valley, um, you kind of think about all the possibilities they've missed. Right. Right. Not that this is not a wonderful place to live it's in beautiful. so many ways. Um, but at the same time, uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a, like any other place, if that's all, you know, it's a very limiting factor in some ways. And so, um, you know, you guys offer those possibilities, which is pretty incredible. We take girls up to Tahoe um, for recreation. We go to Sacramento and go to, we used to go to Women of, of Faith. Um, a lot of things like that where they've never done anything that was in that vein. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to watch their faces, to see that, that kind of thing happen in their lives. And it's wonderful. So, yeah. And even... I'm just so appreciative that you'd even care enough to do that, care enough to be able to expose. I love how you put that of Jesus shows us what we didn't even know was possible was possible. I didn't even know healing could be a thing. I didn't even know compassion was a thing. I didn't even know there could be loving families or men who wouldn't hit you Mm -hmm. or that people would want me for anything other than that. Right. And so I was curious, is there, whenever you talk about kind of dispelling some of those lies through the gospel, does it seem like there's one that you kind of keep coming back to with the women who come in or is there, I'm just, I'm imagining if, if someone were listening today in maybe a place of transition that you talked about and feel like they don't have hope, is there something through the gospel you seem to say a lot to somebody in transition who feels like there's no hope? I think the thing I say the most is fear is a liar. Mm. Don't be afraid. Give it to God. Don't worry. Worry is probably um, the hardest thing for them because they're always anticipating something bad coming. Mm. And I tell them, you know, make your request known um, with prayer, through prayer, with thanksgiving and let God in because God is the one that can change those possibilities for us. But if we won't let him in, then he he can't because he is a gentleman and he always knocks and he doesn't barge in. So you have to open the door and let him come. And I think that's the hardest thing for people is to surrender and say, I, I need you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that that vulnerability is probably the thing we talk about the most, mm-hmm. that no one's going to hurt them, you know, that God won't hurt them. Actually, it says in Jeremiah 29 that he might hurt, he says he won't harm us. Mm-hmm. And I talk a lot about the difference between hurting and harming. And a doctor will do surgery and may cause some hurt, but he's not to harm. That's the, the oath that they take. It's for and, the purpose of healing. Correct. And yeah. God is exactly like that. He will never harm us. He always brings hope and health. So, Well, and uh, maybe a question there as well. So many times I think in those kind of periods of transition, when especially women find themselves in those situations where they've had long-term trauma, long-term abuse, long-term just negative impact, um, and maybe that's all they've ever known. And that certainly has a way of dam- damaging someone's own self-worth, self, mm-hmm. uh, self-identity, self if you will, I guess, um, their, their sense of value of who they are. 
Um, and so often people stay in situations that are harmful because they don't think they, they deserve any better than that. It's all they've ever known. It's true. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys go about helping women understand their value, um, their identity when maybe they've carried that for such a long time? Um, and it's really all they know. So how do you guys re- uh, help uh, address that maybe in the population you serve? Well, the women are only with us for six months. And, okay. and now Leah's house is a place where a graduate can go and stay mm-hmm. for a longer period of time. Because what we discovered was they would be doing really, really well at Hosanna Home. And then they would leave us and go out on their own. And they'd do okay for a month or two. And then they'd fall off. Fall the, back into yeah. And so, you know, it takes time to learn how to walk a different yeah. way of life. So Leah's house um, was our home for moms and babies and didn't work out for us. Sure. So we chose to use it instead for a little longer term uh, place for uh, transition with a little bit more freedom. Yep. So um, one of the things that we do is um, we help them through study. And so we have a, a the first six months, they do a, a salvation study, which we do. Um, the first one is... Um, Goodness, slavery, a, a, atonement. So we talk about how sin mm. destroys us and how Jesus atoned for that. And then love and then value and victory. So the value and victory class is really about identity. I use Psalms 139 a lot with mm-hmm. girls. I talk about that all the time, that he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. It doesn't matter how you were conceived. It doesn't matter what caused you to be here. God wanted you to be here. He, he took uh, the daddy and the mommy got them together and created you specially for a purpose. Sure. You have a special purpose in the world. And many people never discover that purpose. But if they can understand, and I tell them all the time, do you know how precious you are? Sure. Do you know that God, he, he loves you with more than anything that you could possibly even understand? Um, they've never had that before. Mm-hmm. And so it's helping them see that. Um, and it's just, getting them clothing. We have Esther's closet. (laughs) I had never intended to run a clothing store. That was not on my radar screen. But what God did was he put it on the hearts of some of the other women because we knew they were going to need interview clothes, things like that to get a job. And um, we started out with just having some clothes in in a closet. And the next thing we knew, we had a, a, a garage in the back of Hosanna Home where we were actually selling just on Saturdays. And now we have a 4,000 square foot store down mm-hmm. here. And when a new girl comes in and she's got nothing, I mean, many of them come with no clothes, nothing. And they'll be able to walk in and get four or five bags full of beautiful things. And they were just astounded. They've never experienced that kind of um, uh, generosity, I yeah. guess is the mm-hmm. word. Um and they get a chance to uh, be feeling like they're pretty and, yeah. and they get to go to church and they get to go to events and they um, it, it changes how they see themselves. But again, it's just reinforcing of who they are in Christ, but also that they don't have to settle for, you know, crumbs that, mm-hmm. that God has something precious for them and special for them. You know, you mentioned the word purpose, that they find a sense of purpose. Um you know, there's a great definition of when we talk about things spiritually, when we mention the word spiritual, um, I think a great definition for that is really when we talk about spirituality, it's, it's about finding meaning, mm-hmm. right? Like, why do we matter? Right. Um, totally. You know, and so Victor Frankl, uh, the psychiatrist, wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And he has this great quote where he says, um, he who has a why can deal with any how. Mm-hmm. 
so that purpose and meaning is the thing that gets us through everything. And I think that's really the beauty of Christianity is it gives us meaning, mm-hmm. right? It, it points us back to why we're here in the first place, right? Um, and, and I think that's, that's why it brings hope, mm-hmm. is that it, it, it looks beyond the present circumstance to something greater. Um, and, and that's a hard thing to do for people. I, I, it's hard for me to do. <laughs> I assume it's hard for others as well that um, when you find yourself in the midst of just horrible situations, what gets you up every day to keep going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't be the circumstance because they're overwhelming. Um, and I think... You know, the whole idea of hope is that it's the thing that keeps us moving, keeps us going. So um, so you've told us a little bit about what you guys are doing, and it's incredible stuff. And uh, and I love that you mentioned, hey, listen, we only have a seven-bed census, mm-hmm. right? So I worked in uh, clinical health in a 120-bed facility, which has its own challenges uh, in, in a very different way. Um, but I love the fact that it's not about how many beds you have. Because the recognition is that every life matters. Mm-hmm. Every person matters. Every person has a name. Um, and so if it's one person in the facility, the facility matters. Um, and so as people have listened to your story today, our hope is not only are we bringing light to what Hosanna Home is doing, but we want to inspire people to be part of that hope. Mm-hmm. Don't just watch others. Because like you said, when you started this, you had no idea how to do any of this, right? <laughs> like this is all... <laughs> learn on the fly, Jesus and the Holy Spirit guiding it, right? So there are probably a lot of people who will listen to this who go, man, I really know there's a need. I don't feel like I have anything to offer. Um, And so hopefully from learning, listening to your story a little bit today, they go, listen, it's not about uh, the ability, but the availability. Mm -hmm. And so if Hosanna Home is something that maybe God is speaking to their heart in terms of volunteering or getting involved, um, how can they best do that? How can they contact you guys? How can they get some information on you? Um, what's the, the quickest avenue or the best avenue maybe there? Well, of course, um, Esther's Closet is probably the closest mm-hmm. to SEF for um, people to get in contact with us. And uh, we have applications there for both residents and volunteers. Okay. Um, I will tell you, the, the mission statement says, uh, helping women find God's plan. Um, the person that God's changed the most through this whole thing is me sure. and the other ladies that have come to serve. Um, it's not just about residents. It's yeah. about every human being that is attached to Hosanna Home. Our volunteers, our board members, everybody who has been touched by Hosanna Home, it's God's hand on it. And so whether that person is coming and volunteering at Esther's Closet to uh, help us clean shoes and clothing and sort and do those kinds of things, to the lady who is the care partner that meets every week with a, a, a resident, prays with her, hears her story, cries with her. Um, God's in every single piece of that. And uh, in order to to be a part of that, it, it takes nothing more than willingness mm-hmm. and having time. And I'm not talking about a huge amount of time. Um, it's, it's like Jesus has called us to be about his father's business. He's called us to the Great Commission to make disciples. And in order to do that, that means you have to walk with people. And that walking is just, it could be an hour a week, it could be four hours a week, it's whatever a person has. What they'll discover is that there's lots of things to do at Hosanna Home in this ministry. A lot of things that um, uh, will change their own hearts 
because of giving instead of receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, there's And there's a lot of reasons why people join a, an organization and volunteer. Mm-hmm. And it may be that they uh, are lonely. It may be that they just have some extra time and don't know what to do with it. And it may be that they personally have a need that they don't want to share with anyone, but they would like to get closer to that healing place. So at Esther's Closet, every time we have a shift change, we do a devotion. Mm-hmm. We pray for each other. When people come into the store, we pray for people. Sure. And we connect people with people. So we meet needs there. Um, so the best way is just to come into Esther's and get applications. Give me a call. My sure. phone number is 232-5416. It's on the website. Uh, all of our applications are there. Um, What's the website address? It's www.hosannahome.org. Okay. And uh, basically, it's just being willing, as you said. Sure. It's not about knowing everything, because certainly I don't know anything, yet the Lord has supplied every need that we ever have. Yeah. And we've actually had girls pray for tomatoes in the middle of winter and have a tomato show up. It's just <laughs> amazing to watch God's hand because he's trying to teach us how to trust him sure. for our needs. And uh, so that's what I would say is just come in and get acquainted and yeah. and find a place. Well, we can find reason. We can always find reasons not to do things. Right. Right. It's just the willingness to find reasons to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reasons to is, like you said, uh, not only do, are you invested in other people, but my experience has been the same as yours in this, that anytime I give, mm-hmm. I, I find I receive a in ways that I never expected. Exactly. Right. And yes. so God is good that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we encourage you guys. Um, uh, you heard Linda mention Esther's Closet, which is their consignment shop um, that really helps fund a lot of what happens at Hosanna Home, and that's mm-hmm. on Green Bray. So um, what's the address? 544. 544 Green Bray. Uh, and so please stop in, and uh, they'd love to talk to you. And, and they can just donate things that they don't need sure. anymore. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you do take, it is a women's consignment shop Correct. and you do take kind of, I don't remember the verbiage that you use, but it's a more, I don't know if upscale is the right. That's the word. right word. We call it's ourselves okay. a boutique. Yes. A was, boutique thrift store. Okay. Yes. A boutique <laughs> thrift store. So yes, if you're a woman listening mm-hmm. and you were already going to be secondhand shopping, please consider us your closet. That's a great way to support right. what you all are doing. And we're having a 50% off sale. Hey, excellent. <laughs> Always good to know. Even better. So, yeah. And Linda, something I want to thank you specifically for too is when we were talking about the the need for purpose and what Jason said so well about how we needed a why to get through the hows, um, I know that we asked you to share a success story. And for anybody in ministry or nonprofit work or really just anybody trying to make the world a better place, we also know that for every success story that you can share heart-wrenching stories and stories that didn't end the way we would have wanted them to end. And I know that can get very defeating feeling and discouraging. And that can start feeling like, is this making a difference? Why am I doing this? Is, is this, d- did I hear God right? All those things. And so it's just as important for the women in your program to have the why as it is for someone like you mm-hmm. doing the work behind the scenes and pushing it forward. So we just want to thank you on behalf of, on behalf of SCF for pushing hope forward and for doing it when it gets hard and for enduring in hope, because that's a huge part of hope too. Absolutely. Yes. I agree. Yeah. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we one of our taglines here as we kind of end this today is, um, you know, we have a couple of options in life. We can either curse the darkness, we can light a candle, 
Um, and thank you for being someone who lights a candle and doesn't just curse the darkness, right? Uh, uh, there, it's so easy to just rail against what's wrong, but that's never made anything right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. And so um, it's encouraging to hear stories of people who uh, are not just blaming everything about what's going on, but stepping into the fray and really doing the work. And so um, thanks so much for stopping in and talking to us today, Linda. You bet. Thank you for having me.